A couple years ago, there was this thing going around where people were looking at the posts that you were liking on Instagram and who you were, who you follow. And there was a lot of people jumping to conclusions, a lot of posts and videos, even videos made about, about, Andrew. about me or you. Well, me by secondary, but, but you, it was like, because Andrew follows these people on Instagram, that means that Ellen is a, this is this. I think it's silly when people would make such big assumptions based off following someone on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. I like having disagreements with people. Like I don't mind having political discourse or having different opinions on things that doesn't trigger me. Or some people, for whatever reason, it's more like, how could someone think something else than me? Like they must be this type of person and that's just not me. So it's easy for me to follow different people on social media that I agree with and disagree with. It's not triggering for me to see someone post something that I disagree with. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It's not like it ruins my day to see someone, even if I think it's like something that could be possibly harmful. I understand that people come from all different ways of life and had so many different upbringings that we kind of form our opinions about things politically or just what our priorities are in life based off a lot of what you know, our childhood and things that may or may not have happened to us or our parents or the religion we grew up in and to understand that people get to a certain point because of the experiences they have it helps you understand them a little bit better and when you put people in boxes and just say oh this person voted for this person or follows this person it kind of takes away their humanity and it's not going to be very fruitful for our country or for people in general if we just treat people like that That was my husband, lover, father of our five children, and best friend, Andrew. He's one of those people that may seem like a man of few words, but when you get him talking about something he's passionate about and give him the floor, he shines. Today, you'll get a sneak peek into our intimate conversations, how we speak to one another, what we laugh about and take seriously, and the vulnerable about the good and the bad, our fights, how we work out disagreements, and keep the spark alive after 20 years of doing life together. This is really a super special episode because Andrew does so much behind the scenes for the family and isn't one to love the spotlight. So I feel really grateful that he agreed to come on my podcast that he supports me so much on. Without him and his support, I wouldn't be able to do any of this. In this episode, we get into many of the burning questions people have about him and our relationship, how we function in our day-to-day and taking care of ourselves as a priority. We spend time breaking down what makes our relationship thrive and keeping the spark alive, having children and his experience being the father of five home births. And we open up about some of our personal beliefs that we've been criticized for or put into boxes about. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the Ellen Fisher Podcast. If you haven't spoiled yourself yet with anything from Osea, girl, it is time to treat yourself and get something divine from their shop. And if you don't know what Osea is, they are a clean, vegan, seaweed-based skin and body care line that's climate neutral and ocean positive verified. Osea has an incredible line of cleansers, serums, body oils, and more that makes my skin feel so youthful, hydrated, and clean. My favorite routine to take care of my skin includes prepping my face with the Osea cleanser, then their Hyaluronic Sea Serum, and Ocean Eyes Age Defying Eye Serum. This hydrating serum addresses all signs of aging around the eyes. It smooths the look of fine lines and crow's feet and reduces the look of dark circles and puffiness. The cooling rollerball applicator awakens the eye area and is loaded with seaweed, hyaluronic acid, and peptides. 
And after that, I use Osea's Advanced Protection Cream, all of which have been game changers in upping my skincare routine. So much so that I can't believe I used to go without these products that makes my skin feel so dewy and youthful. So I got a discount code for you guys so you too can have the skincare routine of your dreams. Just click the link in my show notes and enter the code ELLENOCEAN for 10% off your order. That's E-L-L-E-N-O-C-E-A-N. All right, my husband, my one that I love so much, I finally have you on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yep, you finally got me on. I know. A lot of people want to know more about you and you're not really in my stuff that much. And there's kind of a reason for that. Like you're just not one that like loves the spotlight that much. But if anyone gets a chance to sit down with you and engage in a meaningful conversation, they're lucky because it's always it's like, oh, Andrew's speaking. Be quiet. Let's hear what he has to say. Well, thank you. Yes, we are two very different people. We, there's a reason that I don't have my own podcast and my own YouTube channel mm-hmm. and that you have yours and uh, – I get to make little appearances when I feel like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and I feel like it today, so yeah. here I am. Yes, so excited. The other day, I showed you a video of mine that I was about to post on YouTube. And the first thing I said in the video was, taking care of myself is one of the most important things I do. And you said, your response was, it is? Like, with this, because you're so humble. Like, you're, the idea of taking care of myself is one of those things that, you would think would should be lower on the list on like a conscious level. But then my sister who's visiting us right now, that's why we're able to do this because we have my sister and her husband, Eric, watching the kids because that's one of the reasons it's been hard to pin you down because we have so many children, you have so many um, people that you take care of, you know, me included. But she said, well, but Andrew, you're, you do take care of yourself. That is like one of the biggest priorities that you have. You go to the gym almost every day, probably six, is it six days a week? Five. Close. Yeah. Sometimes six. Sometimes six. You push yourself to that limit every time because you know you feel so good going to the gym. You eat so well. You eat better than I do. You're you're more intentional with um, like every single meal being the foods that you know make you feel best. I'm more likely to dabble in, you know, different fun stuff here and there. And you're just like a very consistently healthy person. You make sleep a priority. All these things that Hannah was pointing out, like, well, taking care of yourself is one of the number one things you do. Because if you weren't taking care of yourself, how would you handle all the demands that we have? What do you think about it? Well, that's true. I Taking care of yourself is a top priority. I just didn't like the wording of that's my number one priority. Because, mm. yes, it's a, definitely a priority of mine. Like, if I don't feel my best, if I'm tired, if I uh, don't feel good in any way, I'm not as good of a parent. I'm not as good of a husband. Uh, so, yes, going to the gym is my favorite way to start the day. Because I don't, when you work out, you get all those endorphins, and I just I feel way better when I work out in the morning, and I feel like I'm a better person the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I don't necessarily think about that when I'm working out. I just it's kind of become a habit, and I just feel like I need to do it every day. And then the days where I don't do it, I'm like, hmm, I feel like something's missing today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with the eating healthy, I mean, that's how I got started into the veganism in the first place was starting to dabble when you went vegan first and then I started to share meals with you and then I'd be like, wait, I feel better when I eat this. Why would I not want to do that all the time? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I want to feel my best all the time? Yeah. Um, and that's the main reason why I tend to want to eat healthy because when I don't feel as good, I don't feel like getting off the couch. I'm less likely to say yes to the kids. Mm-hmm. I'm more likely to be grumpy. Uh, same thing with being with going to bed on time. If I don't go to bed on time, then the next morning 
I'm going to feel lazy or I'm going to feel more tired. I'm not going to want to say yes to the kids. Like I said, I'm not going to be as good of a spouse. Uh, so I guess it's just kind of subconscious. A lot of the things I do are habits that I've kind of formed over time. Uh, so I just didn't really necessarily like the way of phrasing it. it's my number one priority because yeah. I don't want to think of myself. I don't I try not to think of myself as a selfish person. We're all selfish in certain ways. I try to be humble and I try to put others first. But you're right if you don't take care of yourself. And if that's not a top priority, then you're not going to be very good at taking care of others. Yeah. So would you – because I think the way I framed it was it's one of the most important things I do. But even just saying it like that is a little bit off-putting for you because it has this selfish type of – look like kind of like the way that our culture is right now like all about self-love me 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 whereas for you it's very like how can I serve and take care of others like you're just naturally really good at that and that's something I've like learned from you over time it's like you know love languages certain things you just gravitate towards that you're it could just come more naturally to you and serving others is like your number one thing that comes naturally to you so it just sounds like a selfish thing but when you break it down it actually is one of the most important things. One of. No, yeah. When you explained it like that, when Hannah explained it like that, I, I agreed. I just, yeah. I just didn't like the way it was worded. But yes, you should take care of yourself. It should yeah. be a top priority. Yeah. <laughs> and I think people wonder like how you are able to do all those things, like how you get to the gym, and do all the, you know, make making foods from scratch and wholesome meals every day a priority with how busy we are. And you're just one of those, like, you make it work. You you always can find a way to make it work. But do you have any, like, suggestions for people who are like, I want to, I just don't really have the time? Well, it depends on how big of a priority it is for you. If it's if it's something that you're really passionate about and you want to do, then you got to change things in your life to, to make the time. And for some people, that's easier than others. For us, it's we're fortunate enough to be able to work from home and always be around the house. We don't have to drive to work and commute every day. We don't have, you know, we're not a slave to a job where we have to go to every day. So we set up our life that way. And then as a result, we have more time for these things. But even when I was working, you know, I still made, uh, when I was working outside the house, I still made these things a priority. It was just, I had to be more intentional about it. Mm -hmm. you know, I had to set an alarm and get up extra early or I had to skip watching the show at night and go to bed earlier so that I had the energy to wake up earlier in the morning. I had to uh, plan out my meals and maybe prep them uh, for dinner before I left for something or before I went to work. I just had to be more intentional, more plan more yeah. uh, each thing. But it just depends on how important something is to you. If eating healthy is important to you, uh, then make the time for it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, some people would even argue that it's, it takes even more intentionality now because we do have five kids versus like when we had one or two kids, but yeah. you're not, but you're not like going off to work. Like, you know, when we first moved here 10 years ago now, is it 10? Yep. 10 years ago next month. Yeah. You were working like 60 hours a week. Is that what it mm -hmm. was? You'd gotten two different jobs and maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, the reason I was able to make 60 hours a week work then was I had, uh, day job where I was the a tour guide for a zipline company for three two or three days a week and so those days of the week I had to work in the morning and during the day but my other job uh, was a night job where I worked as a manager at the grocery store nearby and that was I would go in around four o'clock and then I would come home around midnight so I had time five six or four or five days out of the week where I could be at home with the family I had plenty of time to exercise and and spend time with you guys 
And I just scheduled my jobs like that. I know I needed another job. I, I didn't find another day job. Mm -hmm. I found a job that I could work at at night. And then that freed up my days to be able to get stuff done. And also, I didn't have a, a job where I was going to bed at, you know, 6 the next morning. I can go to bed at midnight and still get up at 7 or 8 in the morning. Yeah. And still spend time with you guys and still be able to exercise and stuff. So I still had to schedule my life. And I remember having to change my schedule around mm -hmm. to get that schedule to make it work. And whether that means you talk to your boss or you find a new job, whatever it, whatever it takes to maximize to time with your kids. And it was nice having that job because a lot of the hours I was working, Elvis was already, or Elvis and Sandy were already sleeping mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, a good 20, 30 hours of those work of the work week, which uh, made it feel like less to the kids and made yeah. it feel like less to me because I still had a lot of time with them. Yeah. Nowadays, we don't go to bed at 12, though. Like, it's like 10 o'clock, 1030, sometimes 11 if it's yeah. like... Well, when know. Hannah's here. Yeah, I know, because then we want to chat with Hannah and Eric and then we're staying up too late or... Anytime we have guests, it's it's great having this podcast, having so many guests come, come through and getting to spend time with them. Some guests... I've kept us up later than others. Yeah. But it's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> so true because we're like, let's hang out again. And we, mm -hmm. we normally can get the most quality conversations in after the kids are asleep. Mm -hmm. And then we really can like break it down. And if you know Andrew and I at all, we're just like very into challenging discussions. So we're always like, who wants to hang out with us and chat with us after the kids go to bed? Yeah. I generally have more fun connecting with other adults when the, the kids are in bed just because – the kids take up so much of our time and so much of our attention or we try to be more uh, more there for them and 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 less able to have those good deep conversations with uh, our yeah. friends or people that are visiting or, or whatnot. Yeah, because you want to be present with them and it's really hard to be present when you're like getting into a really good discussion about, you know, a variety of different topics, but your child, you know, needs help, you know, on on the potty or changing mm -hmm. a diaper or feeding them and or just playing with them you know and mm -hmm. you want and you want to be present with your kids i love being present though i don't want i don't like to feel distracted when our kids are around you know and since we have so many it takes even more intentionality to be present and so that's when after the kids go to bed that it's like yeah. we can really engage well you're very good with with being intentional with the kids and your time with Aww. them thanks Ange. you try when you're not working you're very very intentional about being present for mm -hmm. them you're better than I am about putting down the phone or putting down whatever it is. Aww. I'm more likely to be like, I'm watching my Dodger games. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I made a joke. I was like, what if one time, because, you know, the sports is like the excuse that you can have where that men, like generally men, but women too, but to just turn it on in the middle of the day for no good reason other than just to watch it because the excuse is like you can't record it and watch it later. So, um, but the, I thought about if the roles were reversed, like my friends and I, Danielle and Josefa, were like, what if you played a, like a prank on him where like he came home from the gym and you're just like chilling on the couch watching Friends or something. And he'd be like, what are you doing? We don't have time for this. Why aren't you doing this or that? You know, cleaning the house or Getting ready for our next whatever adventure, uh -huh. <laughs> but you have that excuse because of sports. Yeah, well, we live in Hawaii, so the, everything starts way earlier. We have football starts at seven in the morning <laughs> or six in the morning on Saturdays, uh, so it, it unfortunately falls a lot of the times when the kids are awake. Whereas if you're on the East Coast or West Coast or somewhere else, you know the games come on at seven o'clock at night yeah. sometimes some of the later games so you know, kids can go to bed and you can stay up and watch so oh yeah 
but it's, it's fun time bonding time with the boys and stuff. They like watching sports with me too. But yeah. yes, it's yeah. Sometimes I get a little sucked into my games. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's totally created like a culture in our house about sports. And like I see Elvis especially starting to act like you in regards to certain games. And mm-hmm. you know, Dodger baseball is like the number one sport that we're gonna like all engage in and love. But going back to the phone thing about putting the phone down, like you really are only on your phone when you like for breakfast, like for like basically like it's the news for him and we have this ongoing back and forth conversation well is it going to be received the same way as being on a phone for looking at the news versus like when our parents grew up and we're looking at a newspaper in the morning i don't know do you think it'll be received the same way for kids? Uh, maybe not the younger kids younger kids don't know what you do or you're doing like i think of like uh when i read my bible in the morning like i generally do it on the phone like the kids don't know what i'm doing on my phone like yeah. am i reading the news am i reading the bible am i scrolling through instagram like yeah they they don't know unless they're older and they come over and ask what i'm doing so i don't think it's necessarily going to be received the same way if i was just sitting at my breakfast reading a book i think it would definitely be received a different way and we see that you know you see that with kids they're like always interested on our phone like what is that mm-hmm. like you look at it what is that I'm inter- what is that you yeah. know Kofax picking it up or scout so it is something that I know we're both working on to be intentional not to be on it yeah, around them as little yeah. as possible. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. habit that I like. I really don't want the kids to grow up feeling like being glued to the screen, especially like a phone that you have in your pocket everywhere you go. And like there's studies showing that, you know, we don't want to be apart from our phone farther than like 15 feet at all times. Like you might go into another room and you bring your phone like that is crazy to me how that culture of like we always need it by us in case someone calls us or texts us or whatever. And so I try to just keep it on silent all the time, which Andrew doesn't love because if he's out with the kids on errands but needs to call me, I don't answer it. Like let's say he has two of the kids Uh with him and I have the other three kids. It's like you didn't answer your phone and it's because I always have it on silent. But I think there's like a setting you can change it to to where like it only answers if you call me. (laughs) You can do that. I have the same problem though. I always have my phone on silent and then – People try to get a hold of me, and I'm about 10% of the time will answer a phone call. But oh I did answer gosh. one today. You did? Yeah, couldn't call me, and I, I happened to walk by it and saw it, the screen. It doesn't buzz or anything, but... Yeah, you just yeah. Ha- yeah he got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a joke between, of course, Danielle and Josef and I. We're always looking at our texts between our partners, and Danielle and her husband Jeremy, they are the most lovey-dovey, sweetest in real life, but also in text. With like, you look at their texts, and they're sending each other these like love notes in between, back and forth to each other all throughout the day. And they're like longer messages. It doesn't have to be every day, but it's just like when you look at their conversations, it's pretty even. But if you look at like, conversations with Andrew in text, it's like this long thing, and then below is like a okay or like thumbs up or got it. And then one time I had seen that you were texting with a, one, a friend of yours and he's like super wordsy like I am. And I'm seeing you respond in the same way. I'm like, you should probably give him more words. He would probably appreciate that. Like a smile emoji or something. <laughs> yes, I could work on my text game a little bit, but I'm not a man of many words and text messaging is not my favorite way to communicate. But yeah. yes, I could be a yeah. I could probably say a few more things than okay or just I like the the thumbs up button. It's yeah. like got it. <laughs> I'm like, come on. <laughs> Give me more than that. Obviously if it's a question, I'm gonna answer the question. Yeah. But if it's just a statement, I, I don't have a response to a statement sometimes. So <laughs> <laughs> acknowledge that I that I saw it and it's received. 
I'm sure you agree that the health of you and your loved ones and future loved ones is a primary essential for all of us. In today's world, our electronic devices play a huge role in our lives, but all of our personal electronic devices, our laptops, cell phones, and tablets emit radiation, and electronic radiation is linked to adverse health effects. Enter Safe Sleep. Their mission is to bring EMF radiation education and protection to the masses. Safe Sleep offers anti-radiation products designed to give you the peace of mind of knowing you and your devices are protected, while making them even easier to use. All of their anti-radiation products incorporate lab-tested shielding technology that can block over 99% of RF and 92% of ELF radiation. And all their cell phone cases provide military-grade drop protection, which are also tested by a third-party evaluator. Both my husband and I got a safe sleeve for our iPhones, and I love the beige color that I chose. It works as a stand, and it even has slots for your bank cards and cash for an easy out-and-about experience. To get your own safe sleeve case for your cell phone, tablet, or laptop, just click my link below in the show notes and enter the code ELLEN10 for 10% off your order. But you actually are wordsy when it comes to a topic that you get excited about. If someone just sits with you and have a conversation, like you have a lot to say, but you're slow to speak. And that's like something so admirable about you that you're going to wait until people want to hear from you. You're not going to dominate a conversation, which is something that some people, depending on your personality, can have that like get towards that habit yeah. but it's always admirable to see how like you kind of wait until called on <laughs> if yeah. someone's interested yeah that's i just think that's my my personality i mean i just what i naturally gravitate towards i mean as a child i was so quiet and shy uh i just remember like barely even being able to talk to adults like, really i really only was able to like open up around people that i knew really really well or obviously my friend, my friend group and my family group, but like anybody that wasn't like my age, I had a really hard time and I was really shy for a really, really long time. I don't really know why. I just part of my personality, mm-hmm. I guess. So I feel like some of that is carried over to adulthood. Yeah. Obviously I'm, I'm not that same little boy, but, uh, something I definitely have to be work on. Like we talk joke about like when I'm in a conversation with someone that I'm meeting for the first time and they're quieter than I am. And I'm like, Oh man, that was really hard. I had to ask them so many questions. <laughs> Whereas for yeah. some people, that's what happens so naturally. Like there's yeah. some people are just so good at asking questions and then they just give the other person the floor. And for you, it's like a balance where you thrive well with somebody who does talk a lot. So then, but then ask you questions. Well, it's not that it's more of when I ask a question and then I get like a super short response and it's like, Okay, I thought that was going to go longer than that. And then having to re-ask another question, getting a super short response. Yeah. That was that's more what I'm talking about. So whenever I do meet someone like that, it's like, oh man, that was really hard. that was like a lot of work. Yeah. I'm more introverted too, or it takes a little bit more out of me to yeah. engage in conversations and stuff. But that's one of the reasons I married you. Yeah, that's how <laughs> that's kind of how one of the reasons we were attracted to each other. The mm-hmm. opposites attract thing. I was much more outgoing. I don't know if we ever would have gotten I mean, most of you listening or a lot of you listening probably know that we started dating when we were fifteen. We went to junior high and high school together. First day I saw him in junior high, his he was like a foot taller than anybody else like in the crowd. I'm like, who's that guy? He's tall. <laughs> that was like the first thing I thought of at 13 years old. And then we, we started to connect at 15, but we didn't actually talk in public at school for like months. Wasn't it months? It was only on AOL instant message. <laughs> yeah. For how good I was on AOL instant message, it didn't carry over to text messaging very well. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because it's like AOL, you had to be like signed in. So it was like, 
you couldn't just like respond and then wait for them to respond. Like it was like an immediate response normally. You're right. typing back and forth. But yes. Yeah. I didn't that didn't carry over well. But yeah, I was still shy back then. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that yeah, and that's one of yeah. the reasons why actually why we clicked, because like you were really interested in me and you wanted to talk to me and we just I don't know, we just vibed amazingly from the beginning. And then when we far, finally started chatting in real life, like I think that was like probably after we were like official or close, close to being official. Lee Boy. Was that right? So long mm-hmm. ago. Probably something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. But okay. So I asked my audience if they had questions for you and people put in so many good questions because I'm like, what exactly should we talk about specifically? So I wrote a list of these questions down because you're, like we said earlier, kind of like the silent partner and you come and make an appearance when you want to. And so I think you're a little bit mysterious to people. <laughs> like, what do you really like? And what are your thoughts on things? So I have a whole list of really good questions people asked. I'm just going to get going. We don't spend a lot of time on a lot of them, but you ready? Sure. I can see some of them there. <laughs> so the first one was, what's it like being married to me? Well, <laughs> what's it like I'm being nervous. married to your best friend? Well, you're my best friend, so it's pretty awesome. Um, I mean, it's just all I know. <laughs> I mean, I've been with you for since I was I was 16. I'm 36 now. I just don't, I don't know any other way and it's awesome and, uh, and I get to wake up next to you every day and I'm happy and we get along well 99% of the time and yeah. uh, I'm attracted to you physically and I love to connect emotionally and we love to watch shows together and we just share a lot of the same interests. Um, what's it like to be married to you, like work Ellen? Like you just, are a yeah, very dedicated honest, person <laughs> and you are very, you like to plan everything and you always get on me for planning everything, but you're a very big planner it's when true. it comes to your work. Yeah. And sometimes it's a little, a little tedious. You know, I feel like you're a little too, mm-hmm. too planny I'm with your stuff. I'm like, let's just, let's just yeah. see what happens kind of, kind of thing. But you are so dedicated to your work and uh, getting to watch you. Uh, you know, plan out your week can be a little exhausting sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just just how perfectionistic I am on things. Yeah. Like you're like, I could do that faster. Well, that's what makes you successful and mm-hmm. what's made you the person you are and what I love about you too. Mm-hmm. But uh, just like a day to day, like it's we don't have too many days where we just sit around no. being married to you. <laughs> like if I'm like tempted to like, I don't really feel like doing much today. I'm like, oh, I'll never let that fly. <laughs> so like, wait. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you I'm, doing? Uh, 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 it's football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's definitely something. I have a little bit of a productivity obsession. There's so much on my list, and I I feel the most at peace when I everything is checked off, but yeah. nothing is ever going to be checked no, off. No, well, I think we're both kind of like that. Like yeah. we we're not the type of people to leave the dishes in the sink overnight. No, like. We're not the type of people to leave a gigantic mess in the house and then go to bed. It's like, all right, I can't relax until we check yeah. it out. So we're both very similar yeah. in that way. And it's nice being married to someone that's like that. Yeah, true. Because uh, we're on the same page. Yeah, being on the same page in most things. And I do like to plan things too. I just don't necessarily plan that down to yeah. the yes. every little detail. Yes. Uh, so that can be a challenge for me sometimes. Be like, yeah. oh, come on, we'll just... We'll see what happens, kind yeah. of. Kind but of you thing. are very, like you are more detailed in time than I am. Yes. Like you're like we have to leave by eight twenty two, like that. Eight twenty. Eight twenty. Five minute windows. Yeah, right? there's like five minute windows. I know I'm making a joke, but like 
pretty pretty strict on the time and I'm much more like okay we don't have to leave exactly at this time like if we're at the beach hanging out and I'm having a great time mm -hmm. and I'm like I don't I don't want to leave and you're like we have to leave exactly right now within five minutes or else Kovacs's nap will be too late it's all very logical like you're all you're right mm -hmm. like if we if we wait too long then like Kovacs's nap will be too late and then he won't want to go to bed on time and then and then dinner will be started really late and they're all gonna be rushed for bed and you're right but I'm like, I'm having a great time. I don't want to leave. So I feel like you're more perfectionistic in certain areas. Oh, yeah, yeah. We both are. But we're just yeah. – and I feel like that's – we we understand each other enough in that where it doesn't bother us. Whereas maybe yeah. if you if you were married to someone that wasn't uh, perfectionistic in a certain way, mm -hmm. it would be – that person may have a really hard time with yeah. the type of schedule you like to run or the type mm -hmm. of time schedule that I like to run. Yeah. But if it wasn't for me, you would be late everywhere. Maybe like yeah. ten minutes late. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not an unfashionable no, late person. Yeah, I'm, right. a, I'm a reliable person, but I'm like ten minutes. But late. there's certain things you can't be late to. Yeah. Like the I dentist. Like yeah. You got to be up there on time. Yeah. I'm like Ellen, you, what, what are you doing? I'm like, stop. Leave me alone. I'll, I'll be there. But I definitely appreciate though the importance of being at least mostly on time. Like if you're if you're super late to something, it's pretty. What's the word? Um, Rude. Yeah. Rude and unreliable, like because someone is waiting for you, that aspect. So I, I really rarely am more than like five or ten minutes late. You're right. Yeah, you're not. You're not the type of person to show up an hour late, no. late to something. Yeah, or two hours late. Yeah, <laughs> some friends like that. <laughs> Love you, but come on, <laughs> for sure. But something that is very different about us, though, is even though we're very similar in the control and the like schedule type person, we're very different. In that I like aesthetics more and you like comfort more. Everything that – any type of house decision, any type of – any decision that we're making, is it comfortable? Is it easier? Is it – does it – does it – Practical. Is it practical? Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, is it beautiful? Is it aesthetically nice? I don't care if it takes us much time longer. I just want it to look beautiful. So that's kind of our ongoing – Battle. <laughs> we battle that every day with my chair. <laughs> my folding zero gravity chair that I pull out of the closet and then someone comes over and I have to hide it in the room. I'm like, why can't I just get a nice one? You're like, there is no nice ones. Yeah, there are there aren't any nice looking ones. He's yeah. like, What about a good old fashioned recliner? I'm like, Hell no. That's a no. <laughs> but then, you know, we give on certain things. And there's certain things that like I would purchase. But if they're not comfortable or practical, we don't we don't get it. You're like that's a no to me. Yeah. So there's like we have a good balance where we like care about each other's feelings and we meet in the middle, for the most part. When no? it comes to furniture and around the house, we don't meet in the middle. You get your way. Yeah, but I care about it more than you. But other things you get your way. Like I like sure. for instance, like I would like to do landscaping, but it's not very practical because it's so much work to go and get like pebbles and all that type of stuff. So you kind of got in your way in certain areas. Too. That is absolutely true. Yeah. Okay. But good. I'm also not the type of person that would buy a white rug with five kids, and you are. <sighs> yeah, it's worth it to me. I just clean it, like just clean it, and it mm -hmm. looks so beautiful. Yep. But hopefully, it's a rug that cleans easy. I'm not gonna get like a super. Yeah, that's where we meet in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next, do you always feel strongly in love? This is kind of for both of us. And how do you feel less? Like, how do you keep the spark alive? Um, and how do we keep our relationship strong after so many kids? That's one that I got so many times. Do I always feel strongly in love? No. 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 But, then, but that's kind of a thing that we see in our culture now. Maybe we can talk about that. Well, I don't, what's the definition of strongly in love? Like being like in that fat infatuation stage, like in the beginning when you're like, First dating someone. Yeah, because like, that's a different infatuation mm -hmm. and like a deep 
unconditional love. I, I, well, yeah, I, I mean, I still am strongly in love, yes, but I don't, it doesn't necessarily feel like, uh, it doesn't feel like what you picture in the movies every day. Is that what makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I think about what you desire every day and I think about, I just I think about you every day in a way that I love you and I want to make you happy and I want to be productive and I want to take care of the kids and I you know, like every day I think of, I'm grateful for you and I love you and I pray for you every day but yeah. it's yeah I mean when you've been married for 14 coming up on 14 years it's just a di- it's different kind of love I feel like it's gotten it's grown deeper mm-hmm. and it's uh just you connect in a deeper way and it's less um less uh, I don't Surfacey? know. Surfacey? Yeah, I mean, it's less, just. Like, less, um, I know what you're saying. It's just a more, like, a, a stronger commitment. Like, it's a commitment that you make, even if you aren't as super hyped about the person on a certain day or week or whatever. Yeah. The ebbs and flows, there's ups and downs. I think people ask that question because there's such a strong culture right now of, like, oh, I fell out of love with that person. We're not, we're just not on the same page in life anymore. We're going to go our separate ways, mm-hmm. you know, which is obviously common and normal like before you've made a committed relationship but that's even common in a committed like yeah. a married relationship yeah well you have to be committed if it's going to work if, you're, if both people aren't committed it's not going to work i mean that's pretty clear because there's going to be days where you don't like what the other person did or is doing or you may feel annoyed or something but ultimately what's your what's our goal here what's a, what a, what did we commit to when we got married and I'm, that's something that comes naturally for me. Like, I feel like it's easy for me. Once I make the commitment to something, it's easy for me to stick with it. That's just kind of my personality. It's not something I have to, like, work at as much. And I know it doesn't come yeah. natural to everybody. And I think it kind of is natural to you, too. Yeah. I mean, that's why we've been together since we're teenagers. <laughs> we only, yeah, sometimes people ask if we ever mm. broke up before mm-hmm. we got married. and Because a lot of times that happens, someone might say, oh, we've been together since high school, but they made it broken up three times we never broke up in between there was like one time when we almost broke up like a few months after we got together but that was it mm-hmm. we pre- and i think people are in a place now where divorce and going their separate ways is so common that they go okay well how do you keep the spark alive how do you stay strongly in love and not resent the person over time because a lot of times it's oh like we're just not on the same page anymore and so i'm gonna go look for love in another place but I wonder if people don't realize that you're never going to find someone that is just always butterflies forever. Mm -hmm. You're never going to find someone that is infatuation, that stuff that you feel at the beginning of a relationship. There's nobody where it stays like that for, you know, 50 years. Like you can still have that strong, deep love and especially times in your life where you're just like so into the person and you're like, oh, I'm just like so into you Mm -hmm. and love you so much. And hopefully that's something that you experience like the entirety of the relationship. Mm -hmm. But the butterflies thing, the, the 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 feeling of keeping the spark alive, I think there's a balance between infatuation and a spark that like you're just so committed and in love with that person. No, yeah, I would agree. And that's why like you have to have, especially when you have kids, you have to have dates, you have to go on trips, you have to spend quality time with your spouse because if you don't have that and you have less of that time where you do feel that strong, you know, uh, butterfly feeling, like if you don't have, if you never come together and connect and have quality time, just the two of you, then it it can, you know, feel like it's fading, especially when you have kids. I mean, the kids take up so much time. It's mm-hmm. like we have to connect after they go to bed. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, our relationship's going to suffer. We yeah. have to 
have date nights or else, you know, it's, it's going to be hard. So it's something you have to work at yeah, uh, and be intentional about. Just like when we were talking about taking care of yourself, if you want your marriage to thrive, any relationship, this can be just even with your a friend or a non-intimate uh, partner. Like if you, if your relationship's going to grow, like you have to do quality time. You have to have quality conversations and meaningful time with that person. If that relationship's going to grow and, the same thing obviously goes for a marriage and you have to be, you know, commitment is, is the most important thing. If you're not committed, then it's going to be easy when the, the hard times come to feel like, oh, well, you know, I must not love them anymore mm-hmm. kind of thing. But there's also another factor, I think, about being willing to grow. And if mm. only because sometimes you, there's relationships where maybe one person is willing to grow and they're like so down for, okay, how can we evolve and be our best selves for the other and for our, for, for ourself even. Mm-hmm. And then maybe someone else might be feeling, oh, this this person isn't willing to change or grow or care about my feelings. And that's when people get in this really stuck place. So it's easiest to keep the spark alive when both sides are willing to grow and care about each other's feelings. Like that is, that, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because it, there's been times maybe when you and I are struggling for, you know, we've had periods of our marriage that have definitely been lowers lows who <laughs> we just are not vibing and we're just not loving our experiences together but we come out of it when the uh, when we both humble ourselves and figure out how i need to do better how you need to do better instead of pointing the finger it's like reflecting inward and being willing to grow yeah it's two ways a relationship's not going to work if one person's putting an effort and the other person's not right like, it just doesn't work doesn't work. Yeah, but but I would urge someone to not be quick to go to that place and assume, well, this person I'm with is not willing to grow. So mm. that's why we're, we have to partner separate ways because it takes two to tango most of the time. Like there's going to be exceptions to the rule, of course, like if someone's in an abusive relationship mm. or um, like extreme examples. But for the most part, I would argue that it's more often that you have to reflect and where you can't just point the finger and be like, oh, well, I'm willing to grow, but they aren't. Because really, you might, you're probably doing something that is triggering the other to ha- act as their not best self. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's something they need to work on to not be so, you know, as triggered. But it's also something you could work on to make it easier. Okay, how can I respond differently so that the person receives what I'm feeling better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, being unselfish and humble is a must. Like, you can't have a good relationship without those two things because there's certain things that you, ways you receive love that I just don't really feel like doing mm-hmm. or that don't come naturally. And I, I have to do them. If yeah. I don't do them, then you don't feel love. Yeah. Like, and I, vice versa. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if you, you have to humble yourself, you have to be unselfish. That's mm-hmm. what, just think about how you handle with your kids. Like mm-hmm. if you're selfish with your kids, are you going to have a very good relationship with them? No, of course not. But you, you can't be selfish with your spouse either mm-hmm. or be unwilling to give them what they need. Mm-hmm. Because if you are, then they're not going to, they're going to have a hard time loving you back. And yeah. you're going to have a hard time receiving love the way that you want to receive it. Because yes. if you're not given, it's going to be harder for them to get to not give back. But that's why, you know, if you're committed to someone, you know, commitment is key. Like, I've committed to you, so I'm going to do everything I can to make it work. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. certain things that I've learned that we both learned from each other over the years. Like, okay, Andrew really doesn't like it if I'm going to bring up a controversial, um, like, like something that's going to cause a, a conflict where we have a disagreement right before bed okay duly noted don't do that pick mm-hmm. the pick the times of the day that your part you know your partner receives 
um, like maybe a conflict better where you go, okay, this person would appreciate if I'm going to bring something up that maybe might be a frustrating conversation, but it's important. What's the time of day that they, this is just a little mini example that they receive it better or the love language thing you were talking about for you, words doesn't come super naturally, but it's like my number one favorite thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, acts of service is kind of your, is it acts of service or quality time or like a little bit of both? Yeah, Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, Both are super strong. And for me, like, you know, making sure there's no crumbs on the floor and no sand in the car when I get in the car is kind of like, doesn't come naturally to me, but he really appreciates when I take those extra steps to wipe the sand off my feet before I get in the car, because that's something that like, I wouldn't mind as much if the car had sand on the floor but you do mind it. So that those extra things, we have to constantly be evolving ourselves instead of going, oh, well, you shouldn't care so much. It's just sand on the car. Or why do you need me to tell you I love you? Like, you know I love you. Just the it, that back and forth isn't helpful. And it makes me think of a marriage class we took um, with the basic emotional needs, which mm-hmm. is kind of like the love languages. It's the 10 basic emotional needs. I think I've talked about it before on Instagram years ago, but it's like the love languages, but it kind of goes a little bit more in depth. And there's like 10 basic emotional needs and you rate what are the most top five most important to you. And then your partner can see that and be like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that was like your number one most important thing. And there's this analogy of your love bank and how in the beginning you're so excited about each other and you're all, you're adding all the coins to each other's love bank. You each have your own love bank and you're adding coins by doing all the things because you're being your best self. You're putting your best foot forward. And then over time, you, you know they love you, so you kind of just relax a little bit. And it's easy to get to a place where you're no longer adding coins and you might even be taking coins out through the things that make them feel unloved. So for me, that would be like negative words that if Andrew says a negative word, that might be taking a love coin out. Or for him, that would be if I don't do the dishes and I keep leaving dishes in the sink, like that type of stuff. Is like taking a, a coin out, and over time, that's how relationships end up falling flat and like being becoming no longer having that spark alive because you don't feel in love with that person anymore. So it really comes down to you, each yeah. other, ourselves. Yeah, that, that was a, that marriage class we did was very very good for us because we had done the the love languages book, but this took it just another step forward for further and revealed some things, and it was just like you had you were doing it with other people and they like encourage you to do it. And it was just nice having some accountability in it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then understanding it's like, well, now that I know this, if I don't do it, then I'm like, I'm being rude at this point. Mm-hmm. It's like, they've told me what they want and I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Like, then that's on me. Like, that's just, that's selfishness. That's your arrogance or not humbling yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And, you know, doing things like marriage classes or reading books together or, if you're having troubles going to therapy, whatever it is, like those are the types of things that you kind of have to do if you're going to have a, a you know a decades long relationship. Yeah, um, and it, over time you start to realize like it, it could even be little things that maybe your partner's asked you to stop doing or to do that you just kind of put on the back burner and go, oh well, that's his problem that he cares so much. But then this class was like, no, you really do need to care about those things because it goes back to how you were when you first were together. You're putting your your best foot forward. And so you need to do that too, the longer that you're together. And it, it that is, I think, what keeps the spark alive, like knowing what the other person desires and trying your best to meet that, to do those things to help that person feel loved and mm-hmm. care about their feelings. So a really tiny example would be that I sneeze really loud and we have this ongoing joke about how Andrew hates how loud I sneeze. And for years I like didn't take it like seriously because it was like, that's just the way I sneeze. Like, come on, you're being way too critical. And then in the marriage class, it was like, 
what's the number one thing that you can't stand? Like, it was like, what was the number one thing that, that you can't? It wasn't the number one. It was just one of the one things. One of the that, most important yeah. things, yeah. And it was like, for you, you said that Ellen sneezes is too loud. And I was like, what? Like, this is the thing you're going to hang your hat on? But then I really understood, oh, like, he really doesn't like it. It's annoying. So then I started t being more conscious right before I'm about to sneeze. Okay, okay. Channel it. Make it smaller. <laughs> and I feel like I'm doing a really good job now. <laughs> yeah, so you don't exaggerate your sneeze anymore. And I love you even more now. <laughs> but every time you sneeze, you put a little coin in my bank. <laughs> A small, a small kid, a small sneeze. Every time I do a small, small sneeze. You see, because you know, you're like I've noticed. You're trying, mm. even when you're far away. You'll, oh, you could tell it. I'm trying. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, so someone was asking for you to share a little bit about behind the scenes being a home birth dad. Your experience five times. What are your tips to be a supportive partner, and um, just what it was like for you to be on the other end of the lens, like to be the other side, not me, you know, because people are saying me and my reaction, how I feel. And yes, you're part of that and you're there. But during the birth experience or just in general, the pregnancy up to the birth? I think birth, but also up until. Yeah. Well, with, I mean, I when we first got married and we were pregnant with Elvis, I was a little like worried about home birth just because I didn't, I didn't really know anything about home birth, really. That was more of it. I yeah. just I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you just go to a hospital? It's safer there. Uh, and then we watched that video, Business Being Born, right? The, the business that, of being born. Yeah, the business of being born. And I was like, oh, oh, this is what home births can look like. Oh, I want to do that. Yeah. I didn't really like hospitals, but I just assumed that's the norm. So then once I did that, I read a bunch of books. Uh, I read one of Ina Mae Gaskin's books mm -hmm. even. Uh, this was back when I was working at a health food store and every lunch break I would pick out they had a book section and I was this was before smartphones yes <laughs> so true so you didn't have that option. I read way more books then and I I, I want to start reading more but I read so many books while I was working there every lunch break on every lunch break including some home birth books and then I became like a proponent like oh yeah this is the best way like even though we even hadn't had our kid yet uh so going into it uh I had to change my mind about it, but then I was fully supportive. Ultimately, it was where does Ellen want to have the baby? Because mm -hmm. it's I'm not having the baby. Obviously, it's my son or daughter, and I want them to be safe. But I wanted you to be in the place that you felt the most comfortable in. Ultimately, like if we were gonna like if I wasn't sure a little bit, I was just gonna defer to you on that. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, we had a, a home birth, and I couldn't imagine it any other way now. Oh my gosh, like, no. Hearing people's stories about hospital births, like some of them obviously are great and they that's where the mom feels comfortable, but I'm just grateful that that's something we both wanted to do and that we got to have and that we got to have five smooth home births with no issues and that went really, really well and we had amazing midwives and getting to have the kids be there and you know, nothing compares to that moment when you're meeting your baby mm. and having it be in your own home and mm. not like around people you don't know. I know. That is my favorite part for mm -hmm. sure. Being in the, like I'm in the comfort of my own home with people that I know and want to be in such a sacred experience. Yeah, totally. And you know, the best thing probably not like with our last couple births is just watching the kids, the other siblings reaction. Cause a lot of hospitals don't allow the siblings to be in there and, you know, think of like Elvis witnessing four of his siblings births and he is going to remember them all. Like, yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. He's been yeah. to more births than like the average adult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Most people probably haven't seen birth unless they have kids themselves. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. Mm -hmm. Well, do you have any um, 
suggestions or tips for a partner to be supportive in the time, maybe even in the birth? Let's go specifically to the birth. Yeah, well, game plan with your your partner and and uh, plan kind of. She's probably she tell you the types of things she wants. Maybe the lighting where the other kids should be, uh, what your roles are. Ask her what you want to, what how she wants the house. What towels does she want you to use? Just plan little things like that. So when the time comes, and then have support. You know, like. I wouldn't suggest having a unassisted home birth. I know people do that, but having a, a doula or a, obviously a midwife there is, was something we always had. And having, you know, I'm kind of the director of like, hey, grab this, do this. Obviously, the midwife's telling me things to do as well, but just do whatever she wants. Yeah. <laughs> what does that look like? You know, don't question a mom that is pregnant and never question a mom that is in labor. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, what do you need? Yeah. The first time, especially, it's so mm-hmm. exciting. You're like, I think I felt something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something's happening. And you're mm-hmm. like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, okay, change the trash. Go grab me some coconut water at Mother's Market. Do I forget what else, but you did this whole list made of chili. Yeah, you made chili for the midwives. You like just got you and you're Mm -hmm. just so good at that just like the task the on task. yeah i liked knowing what to do i didn't want to like be guessing like uh what should i should i sweep the floors like i don't know like (laughs) (laughs) like it was nice to be able to know what to do and then feel needed but then also don't take it personally if your wife not that you ever did this but did i yeah like sometimes you didn't like i'm pressing on you're like pressing on your back no not right there oh geez sorry (laughs) Yeah, like give me some space. Yeah, uh-huh. and, not, and just uh, let you do your work. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. But well, then be supportive at the same time. Yeah, and just like asking what you need. So you were mm-hmm. very physically there for me. I wanted your closeness like a mm-hmm. lot, especially every birth has been different. But as it as I've gotten more and more labors that I've had, mm-hmm. they've been quicker and just more, you know, after the experiences I've had with changing my mind and stuff like that, and just your support, your steady support has been amazing through all of it, no matter what my experience was. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe sometimes people ask that question because they're just unsure what to do. So that's helpful to just tell them. Yeah. I mean, before we had kids, I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people asked what you do for work, what you do for a living. And mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting that, um, I mean, it makes sense. If you're not like in our life, you might not really know what mm-hmm. our our world looks like. Maybe you can explain and elaborate a little bit. But it's helpful that you explain to the beginning how when we, you know, before we moved to Hawaii and especially after we moved to Hawaii, you had two jobs working 60 hours a week until my job uh, just started to take off really naturally. And we're like, okay, there's something something here. I, I should mm-hmm. do more of this because I was gaining an audience really naturally without even trying on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I was just sharing my life. And we're like, we should do something with it. So I started, I started spending more time creating and you started spending a little bit less time working until we could see that I was making an income on it. And slowly but surely, your, your outside of the home work got lower and lower, but that doesn't mean you don't work. So I want to share like a typical Andrew day. And what yeah. what you do? What do you do? I feel semi-retired, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, my days are very full. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I I don't work a regular job now. You know, I quit. What was that? Twenty seventeen? I think I stopped working. I was the manager at a health food store that night job I had. Uh, I quit that, and I then I was just doing zipline tour guide for like a couple days a week just for fun and to get out of the house. Uh, but then I found that 
the more hours I was at home with you and helping you with your business, it was more beneficial financially to do that. So I was like, well, I guess I'm quitting my job. And I remember you being like, really? Are you, sh- are you sure? And yeah, like, yeah, because that was part of it. Like, mm-hmm. do you want to quit your job? Mm-hmm. We don't want to just do this just because it makes more sense financially. Like, do you want to be at home? Because a lot of parents, a lot of times mm-hmm. guys or men or women might be like, I don't want to be at home. I want to mm-hmm. be at work. So how, how was that decision for you mentally? Yeah, it was easy in the moment once I ran the financial numbers. Yeah. I'm pretty financial oriented. I'm like, okay, here, if I spend, you know, I'm not making as much doing this. We're making more doing this. Okay, we have enough saved in case something went wrong. Like, no brainer. But yeah, in the beginning, it was kind of like, wait, what do I do now? Like going from 60 hours a week to no hours a week of working somewhere else. Where but it did gradual. It didn't just go from 60 to I know. It was like... But like, just kind of, okay, I don't have a job anymore where that I'm going to. It was... It was like, what do I do with myself? There wasn't, there was like periods of time where it was like, did I make the right decision? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, you know, as the years have passed, I've just been more and more grateful for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to uh, work in the garden. I don't work in the garden as much as I'd like to. I'm doing more <laughs> homeschooling now, but I get to homeschool the kids. Uh, I get to be with them most of the day. I get to coach their sports teams. Yeah, you coach all you know. of their sports teams, and that takes up a lot of time. Yeah, I, I have the freedom to do that. And then I'm able to help you where you need it with your filming or with your customer service or your emails. And I'm able to have a little part of helping you out and helping you plan plan stuff and be the financial person of the business and doing the tax stuff and all the stuff that you love to do. <laughs> I don't love to do. Yeah, a lot of people kind of think, oh, it's, I mean, understandably so, that it's it's just Ellen Fisher because that's mm-hmm. what Ellen Fisher podcast, Ellen Fisher Instagram, Ellen Fisher YouTube, like, and I am like, the face of it and the creator but andrew and i are a team he works like just as much as me in our life total work being all types of things not just business oriented but Mm -hmm. of all the tasks that we do we are constantly on the go so i always chuckle when it's like what does he do i'm like what does he not do because you do everything like you Mm -hmm. you help out with so much you are so engaged and how lucky our kids get to be to grow up with their dad in their life throughout their whole day. That is mm-hmm. so rare. So yeah. rare these mm-hmm. days. A lot of times it's rare even for both both mom and dad, let alone let alone the dad, you know. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, you answer all the emails and you help me with concepts and you're very you have opinions on what I'm what I'm going to do too and I'll go to him for opinions. We brainstorm things together. You help me with filming like you said earlier. So like we're very much a team and it's not like, "Oh, Ellen works and Andrew doesn't." That's not at all what it is. So I think that's helpful to explain. Yeah, I think we explained it explained it pretty well. It's nice to have be a, a part and be a team with you, and it's not, you know, I don't mind doing the behind-the-scenes stuff that you don't really want to do or mm-hmm. you maybe don't have as much knowledge or want to learn how to do. And I, mm-hmm. I like doing financial stuff, and the tax stuff doesn't, you know, it's just I've always kind of been someone that enjoyed yeah. enjoyed that anyway, so it's nice to have, like, a role and be able to do that and uh and take that burden off you. Yeah. Make so you can fe- focus more on the creative aspect of yeah. the business. Yeah, because that's definitely my favorite part and what mm-hmm. I'm like, like love doing. But actually, sometimes, a couple times I've seen someone say, like, why don't you just take a back seat now and let Andrew do a project? Let him do his passion project and what he likes to do. So, what would you be your response to that? Like, do you have any passion projects that you, or just anything you would like to be doing more of if you had more time? Sure, I would like to 
I mean, I don't think of it as like necessarily having specific projects other than maybe more to the garden. That's probably my number one yeah. thing that I feel comfortable doing and that I enjoy doing that brings me fulfillment. Uh, just more free time would be nice sometimes. Yeah, for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I think we'll be getting. We all, we have like our plans and are mm -hmm. like, okay, as time goes on, when the kids are getting older, we're like kind of getting to this phase where like, okay, we got a few more years, maybe four more years, mm -hmm. and then we'll have more freedom in our life. You know, freedom is such a relative word because our life is so free. Yeah. Like we mm -hmm. are, yeah, we we have such a beautiful free life and we are, of course, so grateful for it. There's mm -hmm. no ungratefulness going there. But just in regards to more freedom of time to do some other things, like relax. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's some hobbies that I'm probably, you know, I like to get into kayaking and canoeing and hiking yeah. more but yeah and as the kids get older you can probably do more of those things with them you know having a lot of young children it's hard to do yeah a lot of those types of activities but our kids are getting older now and i, I know there's a like there's going to be a period of time where i'm going to be able to do more of those and it doesn't necessarily bother me yeah uh that i can't always you know just run off and hey, i'm gonna go kayaking this yeah. morning and be gone for three hours like, yeah yeah totally <laughs> but that is that would be something that i you know i would like to get to one day. And, yeah. Uh, but passion projects, I, I just like love supporting you and I and and making our home beautiful and taking care of the kids yeah. and and teaching them things and coaching them. You know, that's one of my my biggest mm. passions is mm. my kids. Yeah, yeah, and you do such a good job at yeah. that. So that's actually another question I want to ask you is what three characters characteristics would you like to instill in your children? What would you what would you love for them? Someone worded it really well. I forget how they worded it. I mean, kindness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I want them to have integrity and, and do what is right, even if uh, everybody else is saying do something else. I want them to be free thinkers okay. and not just believe everything they say. Uh, what I mean, I, anything we say. Anything we say yeah. or anything they read and how to analyze stuff they read and how to when they hear something how to think for themselves about it like that doesn't make sense to me or how to how to be a free thinker um but ultimately i want them to be kind compassionate people that are full of integrity and uh i don't know if it's like the top three but those are some of the characteristics i'd like yeah. them to see and be eventually Fathers and mothers that raise wonderful children. <laughs> yeah. I want them to set them up. I had great parents, mm. uh, and I'm so grateful for that. So parenting is something that kind of comes naturally to me because I learned from such great parents. Yeah, and your dad yeah. as well was at home a lot of the time. So that mm -hmm. comes really naturally to you because he – maybe you can talk a little bit about that, about how your dad – Yeah, my dad had his own business, and he was sold insurance, and he – similar to me in the beginning when I was younger, he would work nights – doing his a lot of his paperwork and stuff like that and he would still have make time for coaching our teams and be home for a lot of dinners and stuff and then uh when i was in my teenage years he had to retire early because of a medical condition so he's but he still even when he didn't feel his best still made coaching our teams a priority and coming to all our games and uh, just being around the house and it, he never used it as an excuse yeah to not be a present father yeah. so I know a lot of people maybe didn't have that, but that doesn't mean you can't be a good parent, but it's something that you may have to work at harder. And it's not that I don't have to work at being a, a good dad, but it, I'm just so grateful that a lot of those things were instilled in me from a young age. And I hope to be able to pass that down onto my kids so that they can raise, you know, 
great great kids as well yeah so, mm -hmm. yeah so true your, your parents are amazing mm -hmm. so how do we handle this is back to the relationships topic a little bit how do we handle arguments to not ruin the whole mood of the house the whole mood of like the kids yeah don't talk about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> just forget about it sleep it under the rug no i mean that's something that you i naturally sometimes just want to avoid it like oh whatever it's not that big of a deal mm. we'll just sweep it under the rug but you don't let us do that well no but you're, there's a balance because you're yeah. right you're right in that there are certain things little things that are like it's not worth it let it go and just mm -hmm. move on with the day that i had to learn a lot from you at the beginning because in the beginning i was very like wait we had this little minor tip we need to have an hour conversation about it and then over time, learning from you, no, we actually don't need to do that. And there mm -hmm. are many times where you can just, okay, moment is over, done. Um, but then you also, I feel like, have learned from me to be like, we can't do that every time. And if something becomes a habit that is like a continual habit for our daily day, we have to, we have to find a time to talk about it. But it's best if you're, if you're going to have a conversation like that to just tread mindfully of like the, the mood of the room, of the house. Yeah, I prefer not to be in disagreements around the kids. You don't necessarily mind as long as it stays respectful. But you'd like, I mean, I think it's okay to see, I think it's good that kids see their parents disagree yeah. as long as they resolve it well. Yeah. We don't always do that, but that should be a goal. I think I just didn't, my parents rarely ever disagreed in front of me as yeah. a kid. So I didn't really learn that aspect of a relationship, of how to have a relationship. It was like, I, I'm sure they had their disagreements, like everybody, but they always handled them privately and I never saw them. So I didn't really learn how to handle disagreements in a marriage. And then marrying you, you're like, well, we got to talk about this right now. You're <laughs> like, what? I'm mad right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it right now. Or this is dumb to me so let's just forget about it and we're just like well this isn't dumb to me so having to learn so we've kind of both set boundaries like if i'm feeling too upset and i say i don't want to talk about it and i walk away like i have to respect yeah, that otherwise. i have to wait until there's a time when we're alone or in a a better place where he's in a mood where he can sit and give me an engaged attention and that you're not distracted or when you've calmed down or whatever we have to respect each other's boundaries yeah, I need more time than you do. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm upset, I need a longer period of time to cool off mm -hmm. than you do. Yeah. You, you're ready to go right away. Oh, we disagreed. But we're ready to go. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm annoyed. I'm I don't want to like, talk to you I'm like, let's work right it out. Now. Yeah, I can easy, very quickly not be annoyed if we just work it out and talk mm -hmm. it out. Whereas for you, you're like, give me some space to calm down and then we'll talk. But I, I think the importance of – I think it's important for your kids to see their parents disagree on something in a healthy, respectful way yeah. because it shows them how to disagree. Cause like you mm -hmm. said, you didn't get to see that. And so when that came up, it was a little bit of a surprise for you. Like, how do I handle this? I was never modeled how to handle this because mm -hmm. you and your family don't really have many disagreements. Um, let alone, did you see it in front of your parent, likely your parents doing it? Cause obviously mm -hmm. every, every parents, like there are going to be disagreements. And so I feel like it's healthy to see kids, see their parents disagree so long as it is resolved health, healthfully and we're staying respectful. So there are certain times when we find out or we realize, okay, this is not going to a healthy place. We're starting to get too upset where we're not using respect, like respectful language or tone and stuff. So that's when we go put a pin in it, stop. Like Andrew will say, like, we're done. We need to wait. 
or I will see even, even mm-hmm. sometimes. And then that's when we go back to it later. So for us, the, the question of how to handle arguments not ruining the whole mood is like if we can stay respectful and it's something small enough, we will continue that conversation even if like the kids are around and it's good for them to see something resolved. They see, oh, this is how you, you know, apologize to each other or or just listen to each other and respect each other. And so that's kind of the balance. If it starts to get too heated, we go pause, put a pin in it and we'll get to it later. That's kind of the. Yep, that's our goal. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. It's we not, we're not perfect. Time, yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're, our kids have definitely seen unhealthy arguments from us. Um, but hopefully there's been the mass majority of time that's not what they're seeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, man, there's so many good questions. We got a lot written down there. I know. I'm not going to get to all of them. How does it feel in the first moment that you find out your wife is pregnant? Oh, this was one of the ones you asked me last. We were going through some that you might ask me. Yeah, it feels different. With each one. <laughs> the first one was like mind blown, like just so surreal. I remember that one more than any of them. I was standing in our little, tiny little kitchen in that little studio we had. That, or I guess it was a one bedroom. It was so tiny. Though. Like you, the, roof, the roof was barely yeah, above like your head. Yeah, seven foot ceiling. And you came out of this little slider bathroom door. And you told me you're pregnant. I was at the sink or something. I, I remember every detail about really? it. Really? I yeah. barely remember that. And just being like, I don't remember exactly all the emotions I had other than this just sense of happiness and just joy and shock and all that. And then uh, with each one that, that faded a little bit. <laughs> it wasn't as much of a like, what? like it wasn't yeah. as much of a, uh, a shock, yeah. but it, and even to the point of number four and five, where it was almost like a daunting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because oh we plan everything again. in our life. Yeah. We plan, but the last two children were surprises, and so it was uh-huh. a definitely a different, a different emotion. Yeah, and the begin like the first initial finding yeah. out. Yeah, it's filming myself with number one and number five would have been a very different. Yeah. Different oh my gosh, did I ever share how the fifth one went? Uh, I feel like four. I was in the most shock. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh. Well, no, no, four. No, five was much more in shock for you. Four, you guys, the fourth one, Andrew knew I was pregnant before I did. I, it was so not on my oh, radar because yeah. I have a very consistent cycle. But for some reason, I was just so oh, busy yeah. with work. This is before I got pregnant with You're my right. fourth. I was so busy with work that, and, I, and I'm never late. So the only time it was on my radar to be late is if I was planning to get pregnant. And so it wasn't on my radar at all. I'm at the computer. I'm like, oh, that's weird. It's like day, three days past my cycle oh well and I keep going and then the fifth day sixth day come around I'm like that's so weird huh interesting and then I keep going and I'm just I just still not putting it together and then I think it was the 11th day after my cycle that I sit down on my computer with my smoothie and the first sip I take I'm like oh and then I realize because I always like a lot my previous first three first first pregnancies was like I didn't really like green smoothies so I sat like in the first trimester especially so I sat down had that same feeling I was like oh Oh my gosh, I am pregnant. And Andrew, you walk in the door after running errands and I'm like, Andrew, I think I'm pregnant. And you're like, I've been thinking that for days. You've been taking naps in random times of the day. <laughs> what was that? You said, I think you're saying. Yeah, it was like 5.30 in, a, in the afternoon or evening and I'm making dinner. And I'm like, Ellen? Ellen? I'm like, what are you doing back there? You're laying in bed like sleeping. Taking a nap. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Because I never take naps. Like but I'm I didn't not. say anything at the moment. I was like, if I don't say anything, then Maybe. it might not be real. <laughs> not that I didn't want to have another one. I just, we hadn't planned it. So yeah. I was like, wait a second. We yeah. didn't plan. We planned our first three. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, we were unsure. We, we thought we were probably done, but we were like, maybe we'll have a fourth. Mm -hmm. So that one, then when I took the test, like, sure enough, you know, you had already been mulling it over that I might have been pregnant. But the fifth one, that was the one that really knocked you out of your boots because... I didn't believe it. You didn't believe no. it. He, and I knew it all of a sudden because it was like the same thing as last time over but a shorter period of time. We had just come home. We were on our way home from dinner at someone's house and my friend had said, oh yeah, I thought I was pregnant but I took a test and I wasn't. And then we're driving home from the dinner. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm three days late. And I'm never, like, I'm never late. I'm always so consistent. And I was like, Andrew, I'm pregnant. And he's like, no, you're not. I'm like, no, I am. I know I am. I'm never late. I've been at the, the same exact number of days for this many months and I'm three days late now. And you're like, no way. Because at this point we thought we were for sure done at four. And then we got home and I'm like, Andrew, tomorrow morning when you go to the gym, go pick me up a pregnancy test. You're like, no, no, you're not pregnant. I'm like, yes, I am. I know I am. And you you really didn't want to do it. And I finally looked at you and I'm like, get me a pregnancy test. <laughs> so then you brought it home. Sure enough, there's like two tests in the package. And then I'm like, oh, you should look at it with me. You never look at it with me. I always find out first and then I tell you. So we go to the bathroom, I take the test, and then it says nothing. You know how it gives you two lines if you're pregnant, one line if you're not, like one line shows that the test worked, but he didn't know that because he's never taken a test and there's nothing on there. And he goes, see, look, you're not pregnant. I'm like, no, no, it's a faulty test. It didn't work. Like there's nothing, for some reason the test didn't work. I have to take another one. So I'm gonna wait till I have to pee again. You can go run errands. And he's like, no, no, see, you're not pregnant. And you really didn't want to believe me. He went to run errands with the kids and the kids were, you know, all in the car. He comes home with like all the groceries and all the, ah, all the kids and everything. And I had already taken a test and it was the next one and it was positive. And I come outside and I'm like, guys, I need to tell you something. And then I just see Andrew's shoulders slump. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, like I just see your whole body like sink because you're just so busy. It's not that you wouldn't like love another baby. Of course, like over the next weeks, then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And we get so, of course, like Dagny, can you imagine a world without Dagny now? Mm -mm. Can't even imagine. Like she is the sweetest angel. We are so lucky to have her and it feels like everything is meant to be and our family felt so complete huh after mm -hmm. she was born yeah i feel like yeah anyways sorry i've been talking a lot but, but that story is so hilarious to me because you did not believe me and i just and then saw i you. still don't even believe you when because i then i looked at the test and there was the one line and then the other line was like super faded yeah. i was like no <laughs> but i'm like andrew you don't understand if it's there at all it means i'm pregnant it's because it's later in the day i've already gone pee multiple times so that's why it's a smaller line and also i'm only three days mm. past the day or and you, you hadn't had like the previous pregnancies it was like you had I could notice something yeah. different about you. Yeah. And these this one just completely caught me off guard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And Elvis knew. As soon as I was like, I have to tell you guys something, Elvis goes, you're pregnant. <laughs> I think because well, you might have, maybe he heard us talking about it. He knew I had gotten a test because I had to go, where did you go, Dad? I had to go to the store. What did you need to, he always asks all these questions. I had to get a test for Mom. What kind of test? No. Yeah. Oh, such a good story. I never want to forget it, but I accidentally deleted that camera footage. That stunk. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Okay, well, to round it out, I have a couple little shorter questions. Okay. And then one more interesting thing we should talk about. So I guess it's not that rounded out, but are you hanging in? How are you doing? I'm fine. Okay, man. good. <laughs> okay, bucket list places to visit uh, New Zealand. Yeah, beautiful. Um, Iceland. And yeah, I want to go there too. I've already been to Alaska, but I want to go there again with the kids. Yeah, with the kids. That would be fun. Those are my three three top right now. What about going back to Tahiti? I want to go back there for where we went for our honeymoon. 
No, I would go back there too. I no, just we live in a tropical place. It's not as important to me. Yeah, yeah, totally. But New Zealand's number one. Yeah, it's so beautiful and everything I've seen, but I've never been there. Yeah, and it and was closed for so closed the last few years, and then we keep having babies, and it's like well. yeah. <laughs> when are we gonna go there? Sometimes I imagine us traveling when the kids are older. Like just yeah. but like all the kids. And New Zealand's not a super long flight from Hawaii. It's like ten hours, I think, which is yeah, that's not bad. Not as bad as if you're coming from North America. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, favorite baseball player of all time is it Sandy Koufax? Yeah. He's up there, but I didn't get to see him pitch, unfortunately. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, another lefty on the Dodgers. Oh, yeah, he's my favorite. That's your number one favorite. Yep. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite as a kid? Uh, Tim Salmon. Oh, that's right. He had your Angels. birthday, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Mike Piazza. I had quite a few that I yeah, liked. But yeah, Tim Salmon was my favorite as a kid. Clayton Kershaw was my yeah. favorite as a man. We were maybe going to name the fifth baby Kershaw if it was a boy, mm-hmm. but we thought Koufax and Kershaw, like it's just too many baseball players and also the sound is too much. But if we, if, I was talking to Elvis, like if for some crazy reason we ended up having like nine kids, which is just hype, like mythical, not going to happen, but then we could do a Koufax, I mean a Kershaw. A Kershaw, yeah. But not not like right after COVID. No, we are officially done though, and that's mm-hmm. a really good feeling. High five to that. Mm-hmm. How's that feel? Yeah, I was a little worried about being officially done, but yeah. here we are, and I feel the same. I felt like a moment of like a piece of my body was like taken from me, not my body, because it was your body when you went and got upset to me. But like when you told me it is finished, you text me, it is finished. And I <laughs> and I felt this like sinking feeling, even though I knew uh, I don't want another one. Mm-hmm. And like we are so good at five. Five feels so complete. But I don't know I, I don't know why. Anybody else listening if you've had let me know if you've had that similar. Well that's feeling. all we've known for the last eleven years is having kids. So it's like, wait, now we're done. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people have their, you know, one, two, three kids, like in a pretty short window. I mean, obviously people spread out their kids too, but like you've been pregnant or nursing for almost 11 years. Yeah. And I've been a dad to young kids for 11 years. So it's just like, that's all we've known. So it's kind of like, wait, we're not going to do that anymore. I know. Like, obviously we can't do it forever, but it was just kind of a, kind of like a mental thing I had to think through and process. Yeah. And like, now I feel good about it. Yeah. Like an end of an era. It just feels like I never even considered what life would be like after this phase of life. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, now I'm thinking about it and I'm pondering yeah, it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, we still got a little baby. Yes. A little six months But we have so much life ahead of us. It's uh-huh. so crazy to think about. Okay, last yeah. question. It's a little bit more engaging. But I want to talk a little bit about not putting people in boxes because this mm-hmm. is something that a couple of years ago, was it a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, there was like this thing going around where people were looking at the posts that you were liking on Instagram and who you, were, who you follow on Instagram and there was a lot of conclu- a lot of people jump into conclusions, a lot of posts and videos, even videos made about about oh. this, about, Andrew. about me or you? Well, me by de- me by secondary but, but you. It's like because Andrew follows these people on Instagram, that means that Ellen is a this is this like a right wing da 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 all these things. Mm-hmm. Anti this, pro this, whatever. So, maybe you could share a little about your thoughts on like not, we talk a lot about this, about not putting people in boxes and understanding, listening from all different perspectives. Because oh, the funniest part about that to me was that people would say, oh, Andrew follows Trump and he follows, I don't know, a couple other right people politically. Mm-hmm. But then they also didn't look that, like you also follow Joe Biden and you also follow like, who are the other ones? You're so much more into politics than I am. But uh, Whoever's the president? Oh, I Bernie follow? Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. You, follow, you follow like all the different 
all the different politically thing, Dan Crenshaw and all, all this stuff. But mm -hmm. people saw that you followed a couple different people that they really don't like, mm -hmm. and they said, "It must you must be this, 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 this." What are your thoughts? I don't really care what other people think about me, to be honest. Yeah, you are very. Good I at think that. it's silly when you that people would make such big assumptions based off following someone on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. Because I just I like I like having disagreements with people. Like I don't mind having political discourse or having different opinions on things. It doesn't trigger me. Where some people, for whatever reason. Uh, it's more like how could someone think something else than me? Mm -hmm. Like they must be this type of person and that's just not me. So it's easy for me to follow different people on social media that I agree with and disagree with. And it doesn't, it's not, not triggering for me to see someone post something that I disagree with. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Like <laughs> it's not like it ruins my day to see someone, even if I think it's like something that could be possibly harmful. Like I understand that people come from, all different ways of life and had so many different upbringings that we kind of form our opinions about things uh, politically or just what our priorities are in life based off you know a lot of what you know our childhood and things that may have may may or may not have happened to us or our parents or the religion we grew up in and to understand that people get to a certain point because of the experiences they have it helps you understand understand them a little bit better and uh when you put people in boxes and just say oh this person voted for this person or follows this person it kind of takes away their humanity and it kind of just like it's like that's just not the kind of it's not going to be very fruitful for our country or for for people in general if we just treat people like that uh but thankfully for me it, it doesn't bother me when when people make statements like that about me uh you know, a lot of the things that I'm passionate about, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a Christian and I'm passionate about that. And a lot of that is because of my upbringing. I, my, my parents were strong Christians and I got to see that modeled. Uh, and I grew up in a, a church setting. And for some people that grew up in that, they may now be turned off to Christianity as a result. But I had a good example of a Christian family and Christian parents. So that was a positive example for me. And it made me want to seek after it on my own as I got older. But understanding that people that are anti-Christian or not Christian, they got to their reason, they got to their way of thinking because of maybe something that happened in their life or didn't happen in their life, and understanding that that's okay. It's okay if someone doesn't believe in the same thing as me, or politically the same thing. Like I have certain values, certain things that are very important to me uh, that I'm passionate about because of what I want, what's best for my kids, or I was exposed to something and, or was not exposed to something. Um, I found that I don't have the exact survey, but there was a survey that someone had shared about, about uh, political affiliation and then their thoughts on COVID. And people were asked how serious uh, they thought COVID was or how, what the death rate was or how many people get hospital, what's your percent chance to be hospitalized. And people that thought the facts were one way, like say you thought that COVID was 50% of people that got it were hospitalized and 20% of people died. Those people 
tended to be more fearful of COVID, rightfully so, and were more likely to be concerned about what other health choices people were making with vaccines and masks, whereas people that felt like COVID was not as serious were less likely to to want to wear masks or be worried about someone else getting a vaccine and understanding like you're going to have your opinions based off what you believe is true. And sometimes our, we believe what's true just because of our opinions and sometimes we believe it because of fact. I tend to be more fact oriented and I'm not as empathetic and I don't have as, I'm not more feeling, feeling based. So I make my decisions more, you know, more cut and dry. What do the facts say? But I realize that's not everybody and understanding that that's okay, that people have different opinions than me and I'm never going to put someone down because they disagree with me. Because ultimately most people just believe what they believe because they think that's what's best for them or their families or for others. We just maybe disagree on how to get there. And if you can understand that most people aren't out to get you, like some, someone that's on the left or the right and you think the other way, they're not, they're not doing these things because they want to destroy the world or destroy your family or attack you personally or a group of people personally. They just have a different path on making things better. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that there's videos made about you with assuming you what was the one I remember seeing the one where you have like a Trump hat on. I thought that was hilarious. Superimposed. And then people actually thought it was a real picture. Yeah. Someone, yeah. So there's a picture of me pregnant that I had posted, but then someone superimposed a Trump hat on top of my head, like a fake picture. And someone had put that up in a thumbnail of a video. And then somebody later, people later are commenting, yes, pictures later surfaced of Ellen wearing a Trump hat. I'm like, those aren't even real pictures. And it was so the obviously. The internet's a funny place. I know. And I've, the funny thing is, if I look back at my voting record, I think I voted for four different political parties. You I've did? never voted for the same political party in back-to-back election, presidential elections. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah. So I find it funny when people want to put me in a box or assume yeah. something. I'm just kind of laughing off because it's yeah. like that's not who I am, and it doesn't trigger me because I know that's not who I. That's not yeah. who I am. And yeah. So it's you're easy. super confident. Yeah, in I'm confident, and and I know the truth, and yeah. I know what I believe, and someone on social media can't possibly know that unless we have a conversation and they get yeah. to know me. Well, yeah. So, so that's why when somebody sees a picture, like oh. Andrew liked this picture or liked this post and this is a horrible post. It's anti this or that. Instead of like jumping to conclusions, that must mean that Andrew is a bigot or a blah, blah, blah. Instead, like it would be so much more engaging and fruitful to figure out like why would somebody maybe agree with that post or either go to him directly or go like look at the other side. There are so many people that only want to look at one side of the aisle of anything. This mm-hmm. isn't just politically, but anything, anything of hot debate. That's definitely, there's so many topics of hot debate that aren't just political and listen, truly listen to both sides. Cause if you think, Oh, I can't even listen to it. That's not admirable to say that I can't mm-hmm. possibly understand why anybody would think the other way. It, Cause it just shows that you haven't actually given it much time, much effort to really hear what the other side is. So how do you even know if you're on the side of quote unquote truth, if you mm-hmm. haven't even given equal attention and time to listening to both sides? Yeah. You should be able to argue the other way. Like yes. That's what I try to, I try to think, okay, how could I argue this? If I'm, pro-life how could i argue against pro-life or if i'm pro-choice how could i argue against pro-choice like once you are able to do that it helps you to understand the other side like i said earlier like most people are just doing what they think is right or morally acceptable or what they think is going to be the most beneficial to society 
and mm-hmm. acknowledging like that they're not coming from a place of evil, uh-huh. of wanting to harm, and yeah. they're coming from a place of love. Most people, obviously, there's people that aren't. That's not their goal. But just uh, the life experience thing is such a big factor. Like I'm pro life. Like I'm not afraid to say that. But the reason I'm I'm that way is there's so many life experiences that I've had that I can't be other. It's hard for me to imagine not being that. But I can still understand why someone is on the other why on the other side. And you know I'm a father. I witnessed all my children be born. I can't imagine doing anything other than protecting my children. When I was in college, I'd had a biology class. We went to a hospital and there was a five gallon bucket of fetuses that had passed away. And I don't know if they were aborted or if they were had just miscarriages or whatnot, but they were from 12 weeks to 24 weeks and they weren't treated as human. They, you know, we weren't allowed to see the the morgue or the adult bodies were, even though this was a biology class, but we were allowed to see the fetuses because they didn't classify them as human, I guess. And they brought in this five gallon bucket of about 20 of them and we were able to pick them and hold them and look at them. And I was like, these are humans. They're small, but they're humans. And that formed my, my belief so strongly right there. It was official yeah. that I was pro-life and I wasn't going to change yeah, because that's my experience. But if you've never lived that experience, and you've maybe seen the opposite of someone being raped and pregnant, and then seen the horror of having to go through that, like I'd, I've never had that experience, mm-hmm. so it's not it's easy it's not easy for me to see where they're coming from. But I can still like, oh, that would be hard, even though I haven't lived that experience. Uh, and just understanding that we all get to our we all get to where we the things we believe for a reason, mm-hmm. and. For the most part, it's because we just want what's best for others and what's best for society. At least that's for me. Yeah, I do. I agree with you. I think mm-hmm. that most people are have pure intentions, and so to we should assume pure intentions for all sides of the aisle of any topic that you're passionate about. That helps you to go into the conversation better to just try to understand the way someone thinks, as opposed to think jumping to conclusions that someone who disagrees with me must be a this this or this like labeling because there's a reason why someone thinks that way and it's thoughtful and I encourage you to just you know try to open you know our hearts I encourage all of us to open our hearts to try to listen to each other yeah Mm -hmm. thanks for sharing all that sure this is something that we Andrew and I we could probably do an entire episode on something like this part but I definitely want to touch it towards the end yeah That's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> enjoyed the conversation. I like talking about all different types of things, but obviously I have my certain topics that I'm more passionate yeah. about for various reasons. And yeah, for sure. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna have to get you on as a regular. Let me know if you think Andrew should be on as a regular. <laughs> all right, well we're gonna end it here. We're gonna go back to the kids at the main house, make some lunch, and it's gonna be a stormy day, so we'll probably do a movie night and Andrew making a delicious dinner. What are you gonna make tonight? Well, we already did most of our fun dinners that we watch movies for with Hannah and Eric. Yeah. So we'll let them decide tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some lentils or something. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, for being here. And thank you so much, Andrew, for sharing all that you did. I love you. I love you, too. (laughs) Thanks.